Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of This Show is All About You, a show about all the ways in which you and me become we and what that means for all of us. I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. You can find out more about me at my website, wordsbyjdk.com, and on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look up J.D.K. Winnikin, W-Y-N-E-K-E-N, and you will find me there. Would love to hear from you and chat with you. Welcome to episode 16 of this show for April 26th, 2021. And uh, today's uh, show is titled Thanking Our Academies. Uh, It seemed fitting uh, the day after the uh, Oscars, the Academy Awards, uh, to maybe talk about them a little bit as a way to wrap up our month-long discussion of creativity. That's what we've been looking at all month. And uh, some thoughts came up uh, for me last night as I was watching a very unique Oscar broadcast, you probably heard about it if you didn't watch it, that got me thinking about how to kind of tie off this discussion for the month with a little bow. And uh, so to kind of set that up for you, this month's haiku goes like this. As I climb higher, there are so many others holding the ladder. As I climb higher, there are so many others holding the ladder. What I want to talk about today but with creativity is really in a lot of ways the role of other people in the process. And I was thinking about that watching the Oscars last night. Now, it was a very unique show, if you didn't see it, uh, because of uh, social distancing and uh, vaccination procedures and things like that. Uh, There were a lot of people were checking in from uh, various remote locations and there was only the nominees and their immediate uh, significant others or plus ones were allowed to be there. And there were a lot more extended cuts. They let the speeches go on longer, which I actually liked. Uh, There were set pieces. The songs were done earlier and performed. And and it was meant to look like a movie. And that part was pretty cool. Now, a lot of it I thought really worked. There were some parts of it I didn't think worked. But one of the things I was reminded about when I watched presenters, you know, put out the nominees. And then the nominee becomes the winner. And the winner comes up and gives the speech is how much they how many names they name of people when they thank them uh and to get a little bit of background on this uh with film is it seems like film is the form of creativity that we generally speaking celebrate the most it certainly makes the most money probably out there in uh, the creative world television does as well books not as much uh, but really films is where a lot of our cultural identity, they, they, they tend to be really strong touch points for all of us. There are things that a lot of people have heard of or want to see or have seen. Uh, those are things that we have in common. Far many more of us have seen the same movies than maybe have read the same books, for example. And so when award shows happen like this, they're, they're, kind of sh- they're strangely weird because... All these nominees of all these great shows or great movies, in this case, have been put out there. And as they all, as the winners always say, you know, everybody else is worthy of the award, of the award too. Otherwise, they wouldn't be nominated. Uh, but then when, so when they get up there, having reached the pinnacle of what they could do creativity-wise in terms of recognition, it's so interesting to me that they spend the majority of their time thanking people. It's a list That goes on and on and on. And they're all people that we probably, the people listening at home, don't even know. Maybe they'll mention the director of the film or their fellow co-stars. We might know them. But there's always a laundry list 
of people to thank. And clearly all of them were really important in that person's process. And, and then, of course, all the categories of the awards are all in there. And every single one of them is required to make a movie. So the, the, best, the Oscar for Best Sound Editing, for Best Cinematography, for Best Costume Design. You have to have all of those things in a film to make the film happen. And so I got thinking about all those things putting side by side. And I was listening to uh, one person in particular lay out the longest list of thank yous I've ever really heard. I can't remember exactly who it was. And I recognized that they were thanking people who had helped them creativity-wise, technically, financially, or emotionally in this process. And it occurred to me that if you took any one of those people out or any one of those categories out, then that person is not standing up there getting that shiny gold alien, golden silver surfer looking trophy. You take any one of those things out because you could have the greatest creative, technical and financial support. But if you have no emotional support, chances are not going to have the stick to to see that through. You take out the financial, obviously, the technical, the creative support, all those things have to work together in order to make a movie that wins an award. And then I started thinking about the credits after a movie, right? <laughs> you know, oftentimes people leave. Uh, I tend not to. I tend to stay with them because I want to see all the people that are there. And particularly for the big blockbuster, big budget, big special effects movies, the list goes on and on and on. And it's not just hundreds now. It's thousands. You can, you know, compare some of the, the, like the science fiction movies from the 70s and 80s, and the list isn't nearly as long special effects as it is now. Now you have teams of hundreds of people making scenes happen. And you take those people out and the movie doesn't happen. And so what's my point in bringing all of this together? Well, my primary point for today to cap this off is that there is no such thing in creativity, it seems to me, as a solo project. Or another way to put it is there's no such thing as a solo artist. And movies... The Oscars last night just reminded me of that writ large, of how many people it takes dedicated, pointed in a certain direction, using their talents, giving their input to make a certain thing happen. And when you consider that hundreds of films are made every year and only a select few reach that pinnacle, you nevertheless have thousands upon thousands of people contributing to projects, creative projects to make them work. And that's just for film. Television is the same thing. And in my own experience, uh, writing a book and trying to get it published has been a very similar experience, albeit uh, on a bit smaller scale. So that's kind of where I want to spend my time today, uh, talking with you and ask you to be thinking about these things a little bit as you think about your own creative projects. You know, if we started out the month uh, talking about how creativity, the gift that it gives us is that it can push us beyond what we think we're capable of doing. It's a great way to challenge our status quo in our life and to find out what we're made of. And it's a wonderful avenue of discovery. Then the week after that, when Mary Gleason came on, she talked a lot about creativity and listening to intuition in it, taking us out of the small, safe space in life that allows us then to live life more fully and experience it more broadly and more vividly. And creativity was a huge part of that. And then last week... I talked about in the context of my book, Crello's Inferno, I talked about the law of unintended consequences, the butterfly effect, 
of what creativity can do. When you start a creative endeavor, you have no idea what the effects may be as it ripples out for yourself, for the people around you, uh, maybe for whatever it is that you're working on can change. And I talked about that at length. And so today, talking about the fact there is no such thing as a solo artist seemed like uh, a good place to end uh, our conversation about this. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, hopefully the example of the Oscars and films gives you an indicator. And this is meant to be encouraging more than anything else. Because I know in talking with a lot of you over the last few weeks, what I've heard a lot is, you know, I've always wanted to do this, A, B, blank, fill in the blank, but I haven't known where to start and I haven't known who to ask for help to do that. Other people have said, maybe in addition to that, you know, what if I'm not any good at it? And my question to that usually is, well, who's defining that? Is that you or is it somebody else? Or I have asked, too, is in the end the importance of creativity the final product? Or is it the process? Or is it both? Can it be the process for a while and then eventually the product? Uh, I've had those discussions as well. And what is common in all of them that I've said to a number of you out there is that no creative endeavor can find success just by ourselves. Period. Without any help. And that doesn't just mean once it's done and you're trying to get it some notice, right, on social media or, you know, depending on whatever it is, um, television, attention, whatever. Uh, every step of the way requires help and feedback. And, yeah, in some cases, even difficult feedback from people. Uh, I know for me in writing Crella's Inferno, I had a number of people along the way. I spent some time. Last night, as I was, uh, as the Oscars were finishing, uh, jotting down my own thank you list. Like if I was going to make my own thank you list, if I was standing at a podium for finishing my book and thanking people along the way, I wanted to see how many people I could come up with. And I eventually stopped at 68, <laughs> mainly because I think I'd proven the point to myself. Right? There were a number of people, all in those categories. Some people directly read the book. And uh, I've mentioned on this show before my friend Sarah, who did a lot of the heavy lifting on the editing and in a lot of ways was uh, a creative partner in some elements of, of the book. Uh, but then there were people all the way down the list who never read the book, but were really enthusiastic about what I was doing and gave a lot of emotional support or taught me technical support, right? How to talk about these things on social media. Uh, just a few years ago, I had no idea how to use social media. I wasn't on social media. And so I got some instruction in that. And then there were others who've helped with things like putting together this show and helping me learn how to better dress for success. <laughs> Bruce Falmer, you're out there somewhere. Uh, that's you. I had a number of people whose contributions, whether they knew it or not, all became part of this larger process that helped me bring the best of myself, the best of my talents, and the best of my bandwidth to the table to create something that had value for me as an end product as well as a process in ways that I never simply could have manufactured on my own. And what I've discovered in all of this, and the reason why I hope this sounds encouraging for those of you who are digging into creative endeavors, is that this is the fun part of it, even though... It can also be really scary and vulnerable to open yourself up to people. 
of, I keep thinking of several times in my book. My book has very long chapters. Anybody who knows me will not be surprised by this. <laughs> the book is 250,000 words after its third edit. <laughs> and uh, I call it an immersive experience. I've said that before. Uh, but I've had people tell me straight out, that chapter is too long. Or you have that whole dialogue piece in there that doesn't really go anywhere. Could you shorten that down? And depending on my mood at the time, I might have been like, no, I really like those lines. I'm really proud of those lines. And in my best times, would consider it and sometimes make changes and sometimes not. And then I had other people who were reading it who would not give me any feedback. And when I would ask them, why won't you give me any feedback? They, the answer was, one person in particular said, because I don't want my opinion to unduly influence what you're doing. I want you to be genuine. I want you to have this come from you and not put any undue influence on this. And I actually really valued that. So from that person, that was valuable. And the exact opposite, somebody heavily involved telling me that that piece was crap or whatever it was, was also important depending on who it was. And I found that both invigorating, highly vulnerable, and it showed me, particularly early on, that I needed to be discerning in who I let do all those things. And so this is not to say that in creative enterprises, in, in having other people help you, that you should just be indiscriminate. Right? It doesn't help to have somebody, if you're really trying to do a creative endeavor and you have that one friend, and capitalize that, that one friend, who always seems to find something at fault with what you're doing, may not be the best person to ask for that kind of support. And that by itself can be really challenging because, at least for me, in my experience, and I'm wondering if it's been this way for you when you've done this, when you start doing something like that and you start looking at the people in your life through different lenses, like who can help me with this, who cannot, you might not just get the answers to who can help you and who cannot, but you might end up seeing some things in your relationship that you didn't notice before. You could see that in some places, maybe a relationship is more limited than you thought. You could see one, oh, this one is growing and I'd like to encourage this one to grow. You might also, as I've experienced, see some ones that maybe need to just gently end and fade away. You can discover a lot about other people in the process of letting them into your creative process. You can certainly understand and get to know a lot more about yourself in that. And that's where both the fun and the excitement of this comes in because it really is invigorating to the, bo the body, the mind, and the soul. Uh, but it's also scary because creativity, in my experience, shows us so much more about reality or can, the reality around us, than a lot of other things can. So when we come back from the break, okay, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about why this open-endedness, if it sounds that way. Why this open-endedness is actually a good thing. And uh, we'll talk about a few more things as we continue on. This show is all about you. Stick around.
Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. This is Rob Bates, and I want you to tune in to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Howard. The show that brings joy from pain, sunshine where it rains. Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Howard. And that's coming from me, Mr. It Takes Two, Rob Bates. Tune in. Do what Rob Bates says. Take a listen to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. That's me. Tuesdays from 3 to 4 on KKNW. To find out more information, check out my website, stacyconnects.com, or text D-A-M-T-T to 55678. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. All right. Welcome back to This Show is All About You. I am your host, JDK Winnikin, and we are wrapping up a month-long discussion of creativity, uh, sort of building off of the Oscars a little bit to talk about the idea that I put forward earlier, that there really is no such thing as a solo artist. Um, Any creative endeavor we do requires other people in order for it to be successful, both as a process and as a end product. And the reason why I think it's important to stress, maybe for some of you that sounds obvious, but oftentimes, and I've, ex- I've experienced this on my own and seen others uh, experience this, there can be this sense because it is my project, in my case, my book, that I have to do just about everything. And in the end, yes, I'm responsible for every word I put on the page and every one that I leave in there and every one that I take out. But in terms of the overall process of crafting the story, making sure it all fits together and then deciding how to pitch it, I don't have all of those skill sets altogether. I need other people to do that. And if I don't already know those people in my life, I need to go find them. And that requires me getting out there and letting people know what I'm doing, letting people either get excited about my project or not be so excited about the project. And I mentioned before the break, uh, sometimes, you know, rejection is an important part of this or critique is an important part of this. And I tend to think, that's what most of us, when we're putting our creative pieces out there that are really, you know, a deep part of us and we have emotional attachments to, that's the real difficult part is hearing criticism or experiencing rejection. And that's generally true whether we're talking about creativity or not. None of us like, you know, criticism or, or rejection. But I've seen that quite a bit. And so, for example, I've, I've pitched my, my book to, uh, to agents. I've been doing so for a while. And it does not feel good to get rejections uh, from agents. And it can be really dispiriting. And I've seen among many of my fellow writers uh, who I converse with online um, that really this is the hardest part. And a number of them, after a certain amount of rejection, start wondering if they should just give up on the idea of getting a book published traditionally and either do it themselves or abandon writing altogether, uh, those types of things. For me, I've, I've asked the question before, uh, doesn't a rejection actually tells me something really important. I can choose to have it tell me that my stuff is no good. I could choose that. Or I could also choose to define it as this person is not interested enough in my project to really go to the nth degree to sell it to a publisher. 
And if that's the case, I'm glad they're rejecting me. I don't want a lukewarm agent. <laughs> I don't want an agent who's like, oh, yeah, I could probably sell. No, I want an agent who is has visions for my work that's even bigger than what I have in mind. And in the end, I only need one. I don't need to choose from 50. I just need one to be that enthusiastic. And so rejection can tell me a lot depending on what I choose to focus on. And in the end, that can be just as much a part of the process to the point that maybe I would thank those people someday. You know, I wonder to what degree the very successful authors out there who you hear all the time who were rejected well over 100 or 200 times. You know, Stephen King, John Grisham, J.K. Rowling. I wonder how many times they sit back and think with gratitude for those publishers, agents who passed on them. Because what it does do, at least for me, is that it, get, it helps me build more resiliency, which we've talked about, and it helps me better understand that I can choose what to focus on and what feedback to take in and how I let it affect me, more so than I think I would have experienced before I started writing the project altogether. And so with that, what it does require, I think, is something that I wrote about over the weekend at my website, wordsbyjdk.com. I wrote about open-endedness in this, um, kind of pivoting over to television. Um, I'm a big fan of the television show For All Mankind, which is on uh, Apple TV, and they just finished their second season. And it was one of the best hours of television I've watched in a while. It was like the culmination of two seasons into one hour of television. And they took some gutsy, gutsy moves. Uh, In particular, um, by doing some things with some characters that nobody saw coming that will completely change the show in the long run now that it's happened. And I wrote in my piece over the weekend that I love when stories, when writers do that. I love that. Uh, Even if I don't like the choice. Because what it shows is the story, uh, to a certain degree, was allowed to tell itself until it arrived at a certain conclusion. After a while, as a writer, you sometimes experience that the characters you write start telling you as much about where they're going as you're telling them in those things. And so then I branched out to talk a little bit about how open-endedness in life can actually be a really good thing. And where that fits in with where, what I'm talking about right now is pretty straightforward. When we allow other people to be part of our process, which is absolutely necessary, again, we need to be discerning, But when we let people do that, we open up all the different possibilities from their feedback for not only the project we're working on, but the effect that that's going to have on our life and the new things it's going to bring in that we can't possibly expect. As many plans as I have for my and dreams for my book, for this show, for so many other things, what has continually been true has not been that I've realized all those things fully yet but that it has brought me to opportunities, people, experiences, lessons that I just simply either A, didn't know I needed to learn, B, didn't know were even out there, or C, that I could never have learned without the process itself. Actually, the correct answer would be D then, wouldn't it? All of the above. (laughs) So anyway, that's my larger point with that. But that open-endedness the staying in the now and seeing what that does allows our creative processes, and I added in my piece, life by extension, to become something 
that is has so many more unexpecteds to it than predictives. And we can choose that. That's what Mary Gleason was talking about, I think, a couple weeks ago when she talked about going from safe and small to larger and I guess you could say more dangerous. Dangerous in the sense that it challenges our notions, challenges our emotions, those types of things. And certainly, right, the flip side uh, can happen as well. Over time, we've all seen uh, in media, whether it's in music or in television or in movies, uh, people who leave shows to go pursue, you know, leave a successful show to go pursue a more lucrative movie career and it doesn't work, right? Or... Um, lead singers of groups that decide to go their own way and leave the band that uh, helped them become famous in the first place. Uh, who are some people like that? Uh, Freddie Mercury could be one. Uh, David Lee Roth could be another one, right? Who found things a little bit more challenging when they stepped away from the creative group that helped them be so successful. From that group that I would make up, uh, that collaboration is what made them strong. So it can happen the other direction where you can become successful, forget what got you there, and maybe cast off those things. Now, that's a risk all of us take. And I've certainly had, in my own limited experience with writing, people that have been a, an important part of the process who now are no longer part of the process. But what I try to keep in mind is, is that whatever got me to this point, <laughs> those are the fields I still want to be plowing. Those are the places that I still want to be residing. Those are the people, generally speaking, that I still want with me. I want to be able, five years from now, if I was going to create another list of thank yous, you know, my own academy, if you will, <laughs> to go back to the title, uh, I want that list to have a lot of the same names that are on it today. And even if they're, that list, five years from now, has people on it that I haven't spoken to in a while or we've drifted apart or are no longer with us, their contribution will be just as real to me five years from now as it was when it happened. And, of course, there'll be new people along the way. And so with all of this, to wrap up our discussion of creativity, all of this has been meant to encourage all of you out there as we move into the summer months and we come out of pandemic-induced isolation to go out and invest in your creative enterprises. And alongside that, hopefully what you picked up is that that also involves investment in other people. That means connection. That means reconnection. That means open-endedness. And that means a willingness to really make yourselves a little bit uncomfortable. So next time when we get together, we're going to kick off the month of May with the theme of play, ladies and gentlemen. So until next time, thanks for joining me. Um, this show is all about you. I'm your host, JDK Winnikin. And until next time, folks, chins up, everyone. <laughs>